morning. Will you stand as we begin our worship? Listening. 
name, all my days, all my days, so let my whole life be a blazing offering, a life that shouts and sings the greatness of our King. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. you all enjoy the warm weather? You went outside in that wind? I, I couldn't um, because I don't weigh enough. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, don't you? I had to carry both my kids to get into the store. Um, why don't we go ahead and see who's around us and uh, wish them a very happy morning. Hey, good morning, Lauren. <laughs> You can go ahead and have a seat. Um, great to have you here at Hope Valley as we gather for worship. And um, just to make you feel better, that whole I don't weigh enough thing, thankfully a lot of us don't have that problem, right? So we are grounded, grounded. Oh, So a couple things I want you to be aware of. Uh, first of all, this Saturday night, 6 p.m., uh, the 27th, February 27th, we have a worship night. So where Pastor Matt and the worship team just lead an extended time of worship through music. Great. We did one last month. Tremendous turnout. This Saturday, same thing, 6 o'clock right here in the worship auditorium. It'll go for an hour or so, and would love to have you join us. Also, uh, tonight at 6 p.m., right here in the Worship Auditorium, we're doing our latest teaching uh, spotlight, and this one is on Christianity and politics. So we're in the election season. The Michigan primaries are just a couple weeks away, and so what is it to be a Christian and let your faith influence your politics? Like I said last week, is that something that should be a lot a little, none at all. What does the Bible have to say? We'll talk about that. We'll also have some time toward the end for questions. It'll start at 6, go to around 7.30. Child care is available, although you will need to stop by the adult ministry's desk to sign up for that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have the ushers come forward as we take up the offering. Uh, this is a normal offering where you put money in. Okay, just... <laughs> That's for those of you here last week. You know what I'm... T- so, uh, last Sunday was tremendous, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Pastor Ken's going to come up. He's going to talk more about uh, Sunday, just the impact of that and where God's taken us as a church. And so, can't wait to hear about that. So, we're going to pray for our offering, for his message, and the rest of our worship together. So, let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge you as our King The cry of our heart, the cry of creation is glory to God forever. And as we sing that, we're reminded that it's not about us. Life does not revolve around us. The world does not revolve around us. And yet you, God, in your goodness, 
see our hearts, you saw our need, and you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus, to die for us, to liberate us, to give us new life, new hope, a new purpose, a new direction in life. And God, thank you that you are doing that work. And Lord, we're not perfect. We take two steps forward, one step back, and in your grace, you are there to forgive and to pick us up and help us to keep on going. Father, we just pray that we would get a sense of your grace and forgiveness anew and afresh this day so that it would indeed lead us to a life of loving you and loving others. Thank you for all the singing and engagement and worship that way so far. May that continue for Ken as he talks later on too just about what it is to love our neighbor well together as a church. We pray, God, that you would speak to him and through him and allow us to listen. But Lord, now as we turn our hearts to worshiping you through giving, we just come with open hands and open heart. Everything we have is yours, and we're just giving it back as an act of worship. And Lord, that we would pray that these gifts are used to bring the hope and the life and the good news of Jesus Christ to people outside the walls of this church, here and around the world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. My heart will sing 
thank you for that truth, knowing that you will always speak what is true. Though it might not seem right at the moment, it might not fit with my plan, you speak truth. So we say, here's my life, Lord. Just speak what is true. Amen. Oh, good morning. You may be seated. Uh, It's so good to sing with you. Don't you find that as You give your heart to the Lord, no holds barred, that we have something more to sing about, don't we? We really do. And he gives us the peace and joy of walking with him and uh, knowing him, and that's, that's worth singing about, isn't it? But we find also that as we... As we walk with God, that he wants to use us and equip us to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and love others as ourselves. And that's what this series has been all about. And as we love others in this way, love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we live out an eternal kind of life, really, the, the life that Jesus intended us to live, the life that God created us to live. So I have to ask, How did it go this week? How did it go? Oh, that's, that's awesome. You're so excited to think, just to imagine that our congregation was just spread across this entire Great Lakes Bay region. Saginaw, Midland, Bay City, all points in between. There's Munger, Caw Collins, St. Charles, Hemlock, Merrill, way out there. Look at the pins. And places that we live, places that we work, and to spread all across this community just sharing the love of Jesus in a simple, practical way. I hope you were encouraged, and I hope you saw the Lord work, really. And if you haven't already, I haven't done this yet because I wanted to show you this card. Uh, Take the opportunity to write on the back of your card and pin it up on the board outside of the map this morning. Will you do that? Um, and it's, it's, you don't have to write your name on it. In fact, we prefer that you not. It's not, it's not bragamony time, is it? But it's a time just to give testimony to how God is at work in our community. When Jesus sent out the 12 disciples, two by two, the Bible says, Mark chapter 5, they came back and said, Lord, guess what happened? And they were excited, and they gave testimony to it. A little bit later... Jesus sent out the 72 of his followers, again, two by two. We'll talk about that later in the message. But when they came back, Luke chapter 10, verse 17, just before our Good Samaritan story, they were excited and gave testimony to, Lord, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And they, they were excited about God's work through them, God's work in them. So we encourage you to do that. If you weren't here last Sunday, and some of the references you've heard, you're like, what's going on here? If you you weren't here last Sunday, we want to encourage you to do two things. First, watch the video of the message. It's incredible. Just encourage you to do that. Watch the video of the message. And then second, go and do likewise with the resources that God has given you. God, God will lead you. Uh, to help others in Jesus' name, to share his love in a practical way. That's what this has been about this past week. And for all of us, whether or not you were here last Sunday, our hope is that this simple project causes all of us at Hope Vale to think and feel differently 
about people in our normal pathway of life. That's what I've heard from different people before we came up to this Sunday talking with some elders, but also during this week. I've heard people say something like, it's not about the $20, right? It's, we could do that individually. It's just that since we're doing this together as a church, it's just making me look at people differently around me, right? And things that I would typically walk by and not see, I'm seeing in a little different way. That's what I've heard this week. That's how I felt this week, as God has laid a person on my heart to give to and share the love of Jesus in a practical way. Doesn't this just fire up your heart to do this more and better? And maybe some of you have, I know many of you have before we did this, but doing this as a church really fires up our heart to say, God, use us. Use us in this community to share your love in practical ways, to build bridges to the good news of the Lord Jesus. We want to do it more and better. But let's be honest. When we try to love and show compassion to others, we pretty quickly find out it's not as easy as it sounds in a sermon like this. Isn't that true? Sometimes we don't get the response that we expect. Honestly, sometimes people are just ungrateful. You don't get a thank you. You don't hardly get an acknowledgement. They're just going to take it, well, whatever, and walk away. Your help, your gift of money, whatever it might be. Other times, people just don't seem willing to change. They're unwilling to change. And this can be especially true of a of a friend or someone in your family that God has really touched your heart. And really, with the best of intentions, with a heart full of compassion, you got involved in their lives, and yet they just don't seem willing to change. And after a while, you get frustrated, right? Ever been there? Yeah, me too. Sometimes people latch on to us, don't they? They're drowning in problems and grab onto us as if we're a lifeguard, threatening to pull us down with them, right? Just like, whoa, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. The, the phone calls, the listening to this person pour out their hearts, the, you know, it, it just can be totally overwhelming sometimes, can it? Yeah, yeah. And in that, a, a person can seem all too willing to let us continue helping them, Right? without taking steps forward in their own life. Any of that happened to you? Yeah, yeah, me too. And if you're like me, you, you feel this conflict inside, this, this conflict. It's, it's something like, oh, this really isn't right. This person needs to take responsibility for themselves. They need to rise up and walk a little bit on their own. And I'm willing to help, but wow, don't you feel this conflict? Yeah, like this isn't right. But, Lord, maybe I should be more compassionate, right? And we feel that. And in a sermon series like this, many of us who've been involved with others and tried to help and tried to love our neighbor as ourselves, boy, we, we can feel this, really this mixed emotion of guilt during a sermon series like this, and yet a little bit of defensiveness, too. I've tried that. And I, and I got burned. Or I got burned out. Or it, it, it just didn't change anything. They, they didn't change. Right? And that, that can happen. Believe me, I get it. So I want to take time this morning to dig a little more into what God meant when he told us to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, what does he mean? Is compassion, is Love, just this emotion that we give to someone and, and their lives are changed. Well, not always. Is it this one time, wow, God moves me, but I, I'll do it this one time, but I won't stay involved and I'll just trust God to help that person more through someone else, through another organization or whatever. Is that what this is? What does it really mean? Let's dig into that a little bit. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And specifically, if I could frame it in two questions, what's the difference between showing compassion and enabling someone to keep on living in a self-destructive way, right? Ever struggle with that? Yeah, me too. Let's get real with that this morning. Here's the second question. How can we love others around us for their good over time? That's not easy to do. But it's necessary in loving others to be willing to do that. So what's the difference between showing compassion and enabling someone? And how can we love others for their good over time? And to begin, let's, let's look again at this parable of Jesus, the parable of the Good Samaritan and the wounded man in Luke chapter 10. Let's look again at that passage. Luke 10, and we'll begin with verse 30. So in his reply to the expert in the law, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side, and so to a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, just like all the others, here's what changed. He took pity. Uh, As Pastor Dan said last week, you could translate that. He had compassion on him. It's the word compassion. He had compassion on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So Jesus asked, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, The the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Uh, The story of the Good Samaritan. I feel like over these past several weeks, we've really gotten to know this guy a little bit. Should we call him Sam? Let's just call him Sam. All right? Instead of the good Samaritan. Yeah. Let's call him Sam. Uh, I want you to see two more things in these verses. Here's the first. The Samaritan, our friend Sam, uh, helped the wounded man with what he really needed. The Samaritan helped the wounded man with what he really needed. Look at verses 34 and 35. It says the Samaritan went to the wounded man and he, he did what? He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his donkey. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. And the next day he enlists the help of the innkeeper and says, look after him. You see, Jesus tells us that the robbers had beaten this man nearly to death. He couldn't stop his own bleeding. He couldn't walk. He may not even have been conscious. He had no money. It was robbed from him. He had shreds of clothes, if any. He couldn't take care of himself. And the Samaritan did what the man needed. He did all that he needed. With a heart of compassion, he does everything that this man needs. Have you noticed this? Maybe the Samaritan was, uh, you know, as I kind of soaked on the story a little bit, I, I thought, here's a Samaritan. He's traveling this road, and he passes off this wounded man to the innkeeper and says, take care of him, and here's a couple days' wages, a good sum of money, really. And when I come back, I'll give you anything else that you need. So maybe, maybe the Samaritan was a merchant. Maybe that's what was happening here. He might have been a busy guy, but if you notice here, he takes the whole day. He takes this wounded man to the inn, and Jesus says he took care of him. Whatever else he was busy with, whatever else he was on his mind, he put it on hold and said, 
I need to stay with this guy or he's not going to make it. I need to help him. And so he took the whole day and he stayed right with him, bandaged his wounds, transported him to safety, paid for his care longer term, knowing that he needed it. The Samaritan did everything that this man needed. And that's Jesus' story to us. It's, it's his lesson to us. This is, this is what being a neighbor looks like. This is what loving your neighbor involves. It involves filled with compassion. Do what people need. Help them with what they really need. Well, that's the catch sometimes, right? If, if someone's like the Samaritan or the, the wounded man lying on the side of the road, it's easier to be like the Samaritan and recognize what they really need, Right? Today, this would be the equivalent of a car wreck. A car wreck happens in front of you, and you're just like, what can I do? 911, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to just comfort the person for a little bit until the emergency responders get here. Right? It's, it's a situation like that where it's a lot more clear to us what is really needed. But what about all those other situations? What about people in your family, people in your neighborhood, people that you... Or maybe, maybe they're part of your community group or part of our, our church family. How do we know what people really need? How do we know what they really need? And that's where our conflicted feelings can help us. You know, those feelings of, ah, oh, this person needs to really take a step in their lives, Right? They need to get their act together financially or relationally or, pers- or whatever it is. Their work ethic needs to be better. They need to step out of this health issue that's maybe blown out of proportion. right? But Lord, I want to have compassion. Those conflicted feelings that we feel in situations like this really can help us. Because according to Scripture, compassion means Showing mercy while working toward what's right. Let me say that again. Compassion means showing mercy while working toward what's right. There is a, there is a mercy and a justice side of compassion in Scripture. It's not just a blank check of love. That's not what it is. That's not what it is when God shows compassion to us. I love what one pastor says, God loves us just the way we are, but the point is he loves us too much to leave us that way, right? Yeah, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. That's compassion. That's the justice and the mercy side of compassion. And so when we think of others' needs, we, we can often think materially, right? Money, materially. They need money to pay bills. They need a decent car. They need some home repairs. And while that's true, it's incomplete. There's a book that we read and recommend around Hopevale. It's it's a book called When Helping Hurts. If you've been on a mission trip in the past year or two, uh, you have read through that book. You've been introduced to that book. And it's an awesome, awesome book written, written by two Christian authors Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert, and they point out that a person's problems involve so much more than just lack of material resources, lack of money, lack of a car, lack of whatever. And they say if we treat only the symptoms or if we misdiagnose the underlying problem, we will not improve a person's situation, and we might actually make their lives worse. Think of that. And we might hurt ourselves in the process. And so these guys look at Genesis 1 and 2, just how God created us from the beginning, and they identify four relationships that determine our success or our joy as people, or, as they say, our poverty as people, not just our material poverty, but our lack of resources, our lack of um, encouragement and strength as a person. The first relationship they talk about is our relationship with God. They say God created us to know him and love him, to think, to think rightly about him, not to worship other things in the created world. 
to live our lives under God's gracious authority. And when we don't, we experience spiritual poverty that affects every area of our lives. And they give examples. Uh, it's, sometimes it's easier to see examples internationally, but they give examples of people who, because of their belief system, literally will not plant crops because they believe that the gods are involved and they need, to, they need not to do that. And so their village of people can starve because of their spiritual beliefs. And that's true of people locally. That's true of people around us. A person's life can be determined by spiritual poverty. I'm my own God. I'm going to make my own choices, right? My life is my own. So I'll do what I want with all the consequences that follow, right? Yeah, spiritual poverty. They also talk, secondly, about a relationship with ourselves. That is that God created us in his image with dignity and worth. Yet we're not God. We're not intended to live independently of him. And when we view ourselves otherwise, we experience personal poverty. How do we look at ourselves? How do we view ourselves? Thirdly, they talk about a relationship with others, that God made us to love and support one another, to have this support system in our lives. It starts with our families. It extends to our community, our church family. But sin, conflict, and isolation can change that. And a person can literally lack any kind of support system. Their family may be broken. They may have alienated people who have tried to help them. Right? We see this around us, don't we? It's a person who's dealing with a relational poverty in their life. And then relationship with creation, that God made us to fill the earth and subdue it, Genesis 1 says, to work with the resources of the earth to meet our own needs and the needs of our immediate family, to experience the satisfaction of earned success. God made us to work and to experience that satisfaction and affirmation of earned success. And when people don't work, or when their work is meaningless, when it doesn't provide for them, when it's just meaningless in their lives, they experience what Fickert calls stewardship poverty. You see? And the point of all this is that, that lack in people's lives, a problem in the lives of people, are not just related to material things, a need for more money or a decent car, a decent house, or fix it, or whatever. It's, is that part of it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But it's, it's bigger than that. What, what has brought this person to this place? What are their real needs? Is the need to give someone who has a high cable bill, a high cell phone bill, and says, I have no money to pay my to pay my rent, to pay my bills. Is the need to keep giving them money? Is that love? Is that loving our neighbor as ourselves? Right? And this, these are some of the sticking points of what it means to love others as ourselves, isn't it? We all run into these situations, don't we? We feel these conflicting emotions. And this is what it relates to. It really does. Helping people take steps forward. So it's good to ask some questions like, what is really going on in this person's life? Now, beyond their financial need, which can be obvious, what do they really need? What's happening? What has brought them to this place? How can I encourage them to take just a next step forward? Not, not the huge leap, maybe, that I would love them to take to be where I'm at or where others around me. Not, maybe not there. But what about one step forward, right? How can I encourage that person to take that one step? And how is God speaking to me? How is God growing me, right? Because spiritual poverty, personal poverty, relational poverty, creation or stewardship poverty, it, it, it doesn't matter how much we have in our bank accounts. It doesn't matter what our, what our net worth is. It doesn't matter whether our needs are met or... That, it doesn't matter. All of us sometimes can experience 
personal poverty, right? Uh, we, we can experience relational poverty. I feel isolated. I feel like I, I don't have a support system. And often people who are materially speaking or financially speaking are doing very well can experience this kind of lack in our own lives, right? So when we go to a person who has needs, one of our starting points is, I have need too, right? I have a need. Have you ever gone to help someone and God uses them to speak to your heart? Ever done that? I have. And God has spoken greatly to me about this person's love for Jesus. Their, their, really their connection, their relationship with God or, or their com- connection in the community and the support system that they have with friends and family. I'm like, wow, I need some of that, Right? I, I lack some, I have some poverty in this area of my life, right? You see, so God, God is growing us too. We have to be careful of what Corbin and Fickert talk about as a, as a God complex. I have what you need, and I will give it to you, right? Graciously give it to you. And sometimes with the best of intentions, we struggle with that, don't we? often because we define need as material only. If we can just give them finances, boy, that solves everything. And we know it doesn't. We know it's bigger than that, don't we? We know it relates to spiritual poverty, personal poverty, relational poverty, stewardship. We know it relates to these things internally. That's why we feel these mixed feelings. So to love our neighbor as ourselves is to do as the Samaritan did. It's to help others with what they really need. And second, out of the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan involved others in helping the wounded man. He involved others. Did you notice in this passage, we go through it, we call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. But the truth is, he involved others. He did. Verse 35, the next day, the Samaritan took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So the Samaritan evidently trusted this innkeeper. Maybe he knew him. He knew he was a reliable man with his money and for his skills in taking care of this wounded man. We need to involve others as well. Some for their resources or skills, but others for their Wisdom, perspective, and support in loving others. That's one big reason that we're convinced at Hopevale that we need to serve together. That God intends for us to love together as we serve others in our community. You see, loving others together as believers is for them... It's something that God works in a, in a person or an organization or a group of people that we're helping in our community. When we do it together, it is for them. Now, Jesus said, John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 and 35, that may be familiar verses to you. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then look what he says. By this, every man or everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see the, see the picture there? Jesus says, by this, everyone, everyone out there will know that you are my disciples, that I am who I say I am, that I am powerful to work in the lives of people. How will they know that? If you love one another. Right? So where do people in our local community see us showing love to one another? Well, one of those places is when they come here on a Sunday morning and visit Hopevale, right? And see us interacting and see some of the joy and the, and the connection and the conversation and even some of the gathering around and praying together in the lobby for one another. And, you know, different things that happen on this campus every Sunday morning. People see that and they're drawn to it. 
they recognize, just as Jesus says, that we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. But they also see it in a big way when we serve together. They really do. You know how it is. When we roll up sleeves together and we're serving and working and and helping someone, helping an organization, a group of people, or an individual in our community, and people see our friendship and fun, you know, you get some guys together, they're kind of busting on each other, you know how it goes, and ladies are talking and having conversation together as we serve. Boy, God works through that. And people see that Jesus is real, that he can change lives because he's in the process of changing us, right? So loving others together is for them. It is for them. And loving others together as believers is also for us. It's for us. I mentioned earlier, Jesus sent his 12 disciples out two by two. Why two by two? Later, he sent the 72 out two by two. And in fact, there he says, there's a lack of laborers. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his harvest field. Luke chapter 10. There's a lack of workers. We need more people to help. Okay, Jesus, so why not change your strategy? Why not send people out alone, one by one, and you can cover twice as many small towns and villages to do ministry? Why, why not? Because we're better together. That's why. That's why. And we need each other's support and encouragement, and wisdom, and protection, and help. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12 say, two are better than one. We're better together, even when we love others, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Support, encouragement, help, wisdom, protection. All these things we get when we serve together, when we love others together. And that's why, frankly, we encourage you uh, to be part of a community group at Hopevale. That's why we resource our community groups to love others together. So last year, 2015, we, we, as a church, we did 94 service projects that involved Christmas Eve offering money, just those that involved Christmas Eve offering funds. And we know a lot of, others, a lot of other service opportunities happened outside of that. But that's amazing. Almost 100 service projects using... Christmas Eve offering funds, and most of those were done by our community groups at Hopevale. And with our, with our Christmas Eve offering, we want to resource our groups or other groups of people in our, in our church, in our church body, to roll up their sleeves and get involved together, right? To serve, to love others together. It makes huge impact We could never do as a whole congregation what we're able to do through groups of us, right? Can you imagine? So almost 100 service projects last year. If we brought all of those to Sunday morning and said, hey, we have this need, will you get involved? We have this need, will you get involved? It would be literally two a week, two every week. Not possible. But by supporting and equipping different groups of you, we're able to touch so many different needs in our local community. It's fantastic. Here's what I've seen in 19 years of pastoral ministry, just thinking about this area of loving others together. Serving others alone is hard to sustain, even with the best of intentions and with a heart of compassion. Serving others alone, I've seen it again and again in the body of Christ. People with the best of intentions, pure motives, and a heart of compassion. Jump into a need and begin to serve, but do it alone. And eventually they fade. They get discouraged. Where are other people to help me and support me? And this is too hard, and they can't maintain it. Right? I've seen that. God doesn't want that. He wants us to serve together. 
I've seen also it takes supported, prolonged involvement to address the root causes in people's lives and in our community. It takes supported, prolonged involvement to address some of what's happening around us in our local community. And that takes support. That takes us doing it together. We can't do it alone. In fact, we don't want to. We don't want to go into our city or into Bay City or Midland or wherever and, and, and think, we've got to figure it out. We, we know what's needed here. The truth is, God is using a lot of different people in our community. He really is. And we need to humble ourselves and listen and partner together with them and partner together with each other to do what God wants us to do, to address some of these root causes of what's happening. You see, the road to Je- from Jericho to Jerusalem was dangerous. There were a lot of people. It was known to be a place where people were robbed and beaten and, and thrown on the side of the road. There were a lot of people that that happened to. So who was asking, can we fix that? What do we do? What do we need to do? Right? And it's the same in our local community, isn't it? We know it is. And it's the same sometimes in the problems of individuals in our own families or in our own neighborhoods. How do we, how do we fix that? How do we address the root causes of the problem? And we do it through being together over time and being used by the Lord in a humble and powerful way. I've seen, too, that when we love others together, God opens our hearts to one another and to the Spirit's life-changing work in us. One of the reasons in our groups we talk about community change and calling, friendship together, supporting one another, uh, focusing on God's Word and prayer in our lives and taking a, a step forward in Christ, but also calling, serving together, is that there's something that happens there. As we roll up sleeves together, as we serve, God strengthens our friendships with one another, but he also opens our hearts to each other. As we get outside of ourselves, he opens our hearts. It's for us. And this combination, I think, of regularly meeting together, praying and studying God's word together, and serving together, all with a soft, obedient heart, really puts our spiritual growth in overdrive. I've seen it. It's an awesome thing. And we can feel compassion. We can try to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we'll do all this better together. You see, God intends for us to love together. Involve other believers in your life and loving those around you, and watch what happens. Watch what happens. We experience this at Hopevale, and we want to encourage it more and more. Involve others, and watch what happens in you, uh, for others that you're serving. Watch what the Lord does. You see, the mission that Jesus gave us is a great co-mission. It's a co-mission. We're meant to do it together. Well, last Sunday we sang Kingdom Come. The chorus, and I, I love the words of the song. Let hope swell in our lives, and we will be the church to live out your heart. Oh God, arise up in us, and we'll show the world how you love. Right? We will be the church together to live out your heart. And we together will show the world how you love. God intends for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And he intends for us to do that together as believers in Christ. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all the opportunities that we've had this past week. Uh, The opportunities just to be led by your Holy Spirit, to be prompted by you, to share the love of Jesus in a practical way with a person that you laid on our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for how you are encouraging us 
to be a group of people, to be a church that lives out your heart, that shows the world how you love. And we want to do that more and more. And so, Lord, help us. And help us to do it together with other believers in Jesus so that we can not only feel a heart of compassion, but we can show mercy while working toward what's right in the problems of our community and the the issues in an individual's life that you call us to help. And so we pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. stand with us as we respond in worship. I see the King of glory coming down the clouds with fire. The whole earth shakes. The whole earth shakes. I see His love and mercy washing over all our sin the people sing the people sing Hosanna 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 in the highest Hosanna Hosanna
Amen. We love him because he first loved us. So let's go. Let's go and love our neighbors as ourselves. Let's do it together and in the Lord's strength. Amen.